Daryl. Yo. Daryl Wong. <laughs> You're in prison. Daryl. Thelonious. What's your middle name? Do you have one? <laughs> My middle name is Nicholas. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've been friends for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, this is a new fact. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, apparently named after my dad's insurance agent. Wow. Heavily insured. Really likes to make sure he's protected against whatever he needs. What an honor for an <laughs> insurance agent. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I Wow. Okay. Daryl Nicholas Wong. What a great name. Killing it, man. Mm-hmm. Good syllable transitions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've always thought my my full name flowed very well, but I'm not a fan of my middle name. Hmm. Nicholas Edward Nocera. It's like mm. got a good bounce to it. Mm-hmm. Right? But I think Edward is a dumb name that nobody should have. Hmm. And, uh... If you're out there and you're listening and your name is Edward, shut this off. I don't want I don't want you listening to this show. No, it's cool. You can stay, but don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I was named after Nick Nolte, as I think I've disclosed on this podcast before. You really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think we referenced Nick Nolte before. I didn't know you were actually named after. Yeah, my mom tries to pretend I wasn't named after Nick Nolte. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then she says, well, she went to a Nick Nolte movie. She was pregnant with me. She went to a Nick Nolte movie and then was like in the bath afterwards and was like testing the alliteration. Uh-huh. Nick, no, Sarah. And was like, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty so in my mind, that's named after Nick Nolte. You know, mm-hmm. my mom says I was close to being a Michael, and I'm glad I was not a Michael. Ooh, yeah, Michael's tough. Mm-hmm. Michael's tough, and like, even like, like Mike is not good. You know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, I don't know which Michael it would have been. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson would have been bad. That would have been really bad. That mm. would have been really, really. That would have been <laughs> not that so good. Um, but I think the Daryl comes from Daryl Strawberry. I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> that's the coolest. Daryl Strawberry, Nick the Insurance Man. Oh man, that's so much better than mine. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, I love Nick Nolte. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. So, like, props to my mom for being sort of prescient in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Nick is like... I think Nicholas... I don't like the name Nicholas mm-hmm. either. I like mm-hmm. Nick. I think Nick is okay. And the only fault with it is that there's just a ton of us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I've never ne- met another Nick I was, like, hugely fond of, you know? Right. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, a, not that into them. Um, anyway, this is Welcome Likes the Toonie Balloonie podcast. <laughs>
My name is Nick Nocera, and Daryl Wong has frozen on the Zoom. That's okay. I can introduce the podcast now. Oh, you're back. Okay, oh, yeah. cool. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Oh, sorry, that was probably me. Um, all this is staying in. <laughs> um, we watch a Fast and Furious every week, and we talk about it for about like half an hour to forty minutes, maybe twenty minutes if we're really like struggling one week. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, this cycle actually, this sort of series of us watching all the movies, Daryl is leading the charge and curating a order for me to watch these movies in mm-hmm. to best generate maximum what we're calling I feel. Yes. <laughs> Trademark. <Okay>. Copyright. <laughs> Copyright. No one likes to tune a podcast. 2021. I feel. So he's trying to keep my I feel at maximum levels throughout the whole cycle as much as we can. We start off with Hobbs and Shaw, which I think was a good choice. Sort of like just hit the ground running, get it out of the way. We're good. You know what I mean? I've still got some energy this cycle. Mm-hmm. Then we moved on to my favorite of the movies, Fast you had and nice Furious. Watch. You had a yeah. nice watch this week, dude. I had an, I just had a great watch. This I morning. did too. I yeah. Did too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this movie yeah. is so perfect. As mm. like, yeah, Hobbs is throwaway. So watch that one first. This like is so good and. It's so good as a movie that you would recommend to somebody who's never watched the movies before. Totally. Start right? with this one, probably. Start with this one. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it's also like, I, I, you know, I, one day the world will come around to my point of view, which is <laughs> this is the best of the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> I just love this movie so much. I picked out a few things from the movie. Some stupid things that I took notes on. But overall, like, this movie's good. I had a good time. I was I had a very relaxed Dunkin' Donuts accompanied watch through mm-hmm. this morning. Uh, yeah, I'm at my yeah. mom's house again. Very good. I think that, like, one of the criticisms we had of Fast 9 was that it it's kind of a joke. Yeah, people it's kind having, of a joke of it of the thing. Fun. Yeah, right. it's, yeah, yeah. And what makes this movie good is like this is a serious movie. Yeah, yeah, they're taking it seriously. Vin they're is taking, taking it, se- it. What? Vin is taking it seriously because yeah. this is not only in real life, like his attempt to revitalize the series and turn it into a mega movie franchise, but also. I don't know if this is conflicting with stuff I've said about him in this movie in the past, but I feel like he's given it a strong effort here. Right, right. You say, They say this with the directors, that like every director's next movie is a response to their last movie, kind of. Hmm. And I think that sort of expands to like every creative voice in a way, like... I know I know these are Justin Lin movies, but there are other sort of creative factors behind these movies. Like Vin is the dominant to me, the dominant creative voice behind this franchise, right? He's the producer on all of them. He has a lot of sway in terms of how you know, 
what makes it in, what doesn't make it in, the characters, the sort of, you know, how everything blocks out, who gets to be in the franchise, mm-hmm. clearly. Uh, and, and, and it, it, but the problem with that a little bit is that over the course of this series, each movie has sort of become a response or like a comment on what the fans responded to in the last one. Right. Mm. So for me, that's like, start like fast five introduces the rock and then fast six has like way more rock, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, they've got this villain, but this villain's also working for this other, you know, it's like, it's sort of, they've sort of take notched it up incrementally throughout the series to try to pack in those things that they think fans respond to a lot. Like those action set pieces that are really like, humongous and wild the Tyrese Ludacris thing you know in Mm -hmm. seven the Tyrese Ludacris Ramsey thing comes into play in seven and you see that notch up in eight and you definitely see it notch up in nine a Mm -hmm. lot right but this movie's like none of that Mm -hmm. that's what I like about this movie (laughs) yeah this is before that but I also like in a similar vein here I thought that because they were using fast yeah fast and furious fourth movie here to uh, rekindle some of the magic that yeah. was lost in in Too Fast in Tokyo, yeah. um, and like in the same way that we're watching this as a substitute for the for the beginning of the watch through, I saw a lot of similarities in that sense because right they're trying to take that relationship between Brian and Dom, and they're yeah. really they're doing it over again, right? Like right. Dom's a, Dom's a bad boy. And, uh, yeah, Brian's in the FBI, and right. they're trying to meet and align on something. But I think also in the way that Vin plays the Dom character in this one, there's something about it. He's hungry for it as an actor, but also as Dom, the character itself, he is something that he's working for. And when I watched Vin on screen today, I there, there are a couple of scenes that stood out where just like, huh, like... I think only Dom, I think only Vin Diesel could make that happen. Like, yeah. in that initial scene where he meets um, Scorpio, he goes, are you the boss? He goes, huh. Like, oh. sometimes when you watch that, it's kind of an unusual way to handle that situation. But totally. I think it's something that only works. It's also an incredibly weird line, right? right? Like, like, are you the boss? Are you the boss? I thought yeah. I was talking to the boss. You know, mm-hmm. like... It's just a weird thing to say to somebody in that situation, you know, yeah. but but Dom Toretto pulls it off, right? And Dom Toretto pulls it off because Vin Diesel pulls it off. Mm-hmm. And Vin Diesel, you're right, is the only person who could pull it off because Vin Diesel is a movie star. <laughs> <It's>, that's why! <laughs> that is like, I try to like think about like what, it, what does it mean to be a movie star? And to me, it's really about, like, you can do something that nobody else in the world can do, you know? And that's not always super definable. Like, for Vin, it's not as definable. Like, yeah, there's, like, the stoicism and, like, coolness. But, like, other people are stoic and cool and badass and stuff. Like, he's that in his sort of weird Italian way that's, like, Mm kind of great. Whatever. 
But like you look at somebody like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is a movie star because he like does these fucking insane stunts, right? Mm-hmm. Like and he has this like energy and intensity that like nobody else in the world can pull onto the screen like Tom Cruise, right? It's different from being a great actor. We've talked about that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very different right. from that. But yeah, Vin's a movie star. So, you know, pulls it off. Um, there's a woman in the first scene of this movie that I don't think we've ever talked about on this podcast before. She's mm-hmm. in the first two scenes, actually. Talking about Han's girlfriend? Yes. Have we talked about her ever? I don't think so. Okay, I, from IMDb, the character's name is Kara. Mm-hmm. Uh, no last name. <laughs> and played by an actress named, I believe, Myrta Michelle. M-I-R-T-H-A. I'm dropping the H out of an assumption. But, um, I, I mean, yeah, she seems to be acquainted with Han, hanging out mm-hmm. with Han. Maybe in a little romance with Han. She's in that scene. She has a line. She drops the anchor onto the back of the um, tanker. The anchor Mm -hmm. on the tanker. (laughs) Uh, And then her and Han drive off. And then she's with Han when Vin comes to talk to him at the party. But then very quickly is like, oh, now is my cue to leave (laughs) this conversation. I think that's the last we ever see of Kara. I think so too. Yeah. So, not. I just wanted to mention it just because, like, I don't think we. She's in the gang somehow at some point in her life, you know? Right. And she's allowed to be in car during the mission, which. Yes. I mean, in, yeah, original The Fast and Furious, Mia doesn't even get to drive along, right? And she's no. blood. She's blood family over here. So. Yeah. Yeah, Tara has some status. She rolls with Han. Tara, I she's think. doing. Yeah, she's on the yeah. mission. She's got status. I mean, I don't know. Her name is Kara. Kara, not Tara. Kara. Not Tara. Kara. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Kara, no last name. Kara seems cool. Kara, you yeah. know, it's like a perfect name for this franchise. <laughs> very car centric. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not like in a position where like, yeah, let's get Kara back. I just thought it was worth mentioning this person who's in the franchise and seemed to have some connection to the family. And yeah, that's all. Good, good. That's pretty much. Um, and then in that party scene, these are just I'm just going through a couple of my notes. In that party scene, when Han is leaving, he says. I hear they're doing some crazy shit in Tokyo. And I was thinking about it. I was like, this is taking place pre-Tokyo Drift, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's taking place past Too Fast, but no one from Too Fast is in that scene in the DR at the party, Mm -hmm. right? So the group in the party is only really from the first Fast and the Furious movie. Plus mm-hmm. some extra people that we've picked up in the beginning of four. Including Han, who hasn't yet been to Tokyo. None of these people have turned a car while racing. <laughs> they haven't turned the steering wheel. They haven't gotten sideways. 
So perhaps the crazy shit Han has heard they're doing in Tokyo is turning left and right while they're racing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know? I was just positing a theory out there. I mean, you might even go so far as to say, I mean, uh, Brian's driving the GTR. Brian drifts to evade the falling BMW 5 Series. Yeah. Are we saying that potentially Brian taught Han how to drift? Well, we have thought about that before, and I think we came up with the answer is yes. (laughs) Unequivocally. Sick. Sick. Okay, just, yeah, reliving reliving that thrill then. I'm good. I'm good on that. But, like, Brian must have taught Han how to drift. Well, but does Brian even meet? I guess he meets him in Rio is the first time Brian meets Han, right? Mm-hmm. So he must have taught him there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Han, come check this out. You're going to like this. When they have to beat the cameras for the vault, Brian's like, I, guys. I got they're this. like, how are we going to do this? We can only go in a straight line. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Brian's like, guys, I'm about to blow your minds. <laughs> check this out right here. Check this out. Then Han must have traveled to Tokyo and been like, you guys are doing this here, too? Oh, Crazy. wow. That's oh. great. Um, yeah. Um, in terms of watching this, yeah, if you, if you were going to watch a movie for the first time, this being the first one, I think the Braga GPS race is actually an amazing place to start. It's great. Right? Yeah. Got the GTRs, you've got the building montage ahead of it, and you don't have to suffer through Too Fast, Too Furious, like, uh, eyeball zoom in and uh, and the choppy uh, shifting and everything. This is a good place to start. Whether it's, like, the best technically directed car scene in the world, it's not, right? Mm -hmm. But it is, in a way, like, fundamentally really well constructed, Right? It's like it's like they show you a thing that's happening in the cars and happening in the race, and then they have a shot of the person reacting to that thing happening, and then they have the GPS come in to put that into context of the race in terms of where everybody is, mm-hmm. right? And like they do that over and over again. So like the whole time the race is going on, you are aware where everybody is, what their status in the race is, what the problems they're experiencing are, and, like, uh, especially Brian. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you just have, like, the context for the whole thing the whole time, which I, I, I think is super effective. I think that happens in car scenes sometimes, and I think it happens in fight scenes a lot of the time. Where it's just so fast and so, like, sort of jumbled up that you can't really get an idea of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I get frustrated in action scenes, either gun scenes or fighting scenes or whatever, when it's just like this cacophony, mm-hmm. you know? And unless that cacophony and, and disorientation thematically is purposeful for your movie and sort of and drives the point, right? Um, I think it's important in those things to like set something up and then show it happens, Mm -hmm. right? Like you set up a kick and you show it happen and then you block the kick and you show that block, you know, and and it's like 
just for a series of one thing to the next in terms of choreography, but we need to see that choreography play out. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that makes those type of fight scenes, what made this race scene effective, is also showing damage and sustaining it. So he yeah. ends up banging around the GTR a bunch, and at some point I was like, oh, did he... Like, he broke off his rear wing. Does it stay broken, or does it magically repair itself? And it stays broken yeah. the whole time, yeah. all the way to the end of the race. Continuity, the baby. Yeah, and that continuity, yeah. like, maybe it's not obvious on your first watch, but 21 watches in, that type of stuff. I can't believe we watched this movie 21 nice. times. That's yeah. a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, I agree. There is a moment in the race where I felt Brian... And his frustration, like, deep in my heart. I was just thinking, because there's a point where the, the GPS is like, make a U-turn, U-turn if possible. And he was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I've definitely been in traffic where the GPS lady is like, turn, turn right, turn, recalculate. Re-. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know? Yeah. I just felt it. I just, like, really related to him in that moment. Nice. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, the tunnel still looks like poop. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. True. That's true. That's true. I'm talking yeah. first. Yeah. First yeah. half of the movie. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, but even in the tunnel, for the most part, until right at... They kind of lose it right at the end. But until the tunnel... Until then, the scenes in the tunnel contextually... You understand the choreography of the tunnel and who's where and, you know, what they're doing in there. I mean, the first mm-hmm. one's easy. They're all in a line and they drive straight through the tunnel. But the second one, it, like, you get, they, they get Braga from the church. They put Braga in the car. They drive out of the city. They, your guys start chasing them. They're jumping over the sand dunes. They're shooting at, like, you know, I can sort of recite, then they get into this sort of, the desert zone before the tunnel mountains, they drive towards the thing. You're like, I know where we are because I saw it half an hour ago when they did the tunnel the first time. Then when, and when Brian says like, use the tunnel, use the tunnel, use the tunnel. I like, I know exactly what's going to happen. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's good. I think it's good choreography. and I think it's good filmmaking for the most part, you know? The other last thing really I have about this movie that I like a lot is that we, I think we mentioned this in our Gone in 60 Seconds episode a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. of like enjoying the fact that not everybody like knows what's going to happen, you know, or is like on the same page all the same time, at you know. Not it's not just like Team Dom's plan and then Dom's plan goes off and it's great. It's like, oh, this is kind of messy. And, like, people are sort of bickering and arguing in a way that feels real unless like, a joke. Like, I think in the later movies, they use the bickering and arguing as comedy, right? Mm-hmm. It's mostly, like, Tyrese and Ludacris and Hobbes who end up, like, bickering. And, like, that's just comic relief at a certain point, right? But we all know we're just going to do Dom's plan. And Dom's mm-hmm. plan is going to kick ass. And we're all going to save the world or whatever. 
Yeah, okay. But it's nice in this movie when there's that, like, a little bit of, like, power struggle and and fighting for the things that you want. You know, and Brian wants Braga. Dom mm-hmm. wants Letty's killer. You know, they're both sort of these two cars racing towards one center about, you know... On a on a on a path to destroy each other, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that um, one of the, I think one of the things that this movie does that isn't necessarily that isn't realized in the later movies is right. Dom is trying to catch Letty's killer, and he finds himself with Braga's sixty million dollars worth of drugs. Yeah, and in order to sort of achieve his goal killing Braga, he needs to schedule this face-to-face meeting. Right. And in most circumstances, right, how do you get, how do you get, like, the plot and the characters aligned such that Dom can, yeah, like, Dom Street Racer can call a meeting with Cartel Boss. And in this case, he puts a number on it. He says, hey, I have $60 million worth of your product. Yeah. You can't, you can't afford to uh, lose this. You're going to bring me $6 million. And what that actually equates to is he says, hey, you tried to kill me before. Mm -hmm. My life is worth $6 million. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, actually. Right? I like that. You might think it's arbitrary, but you can't say it's too much. Life is life. And I think that's something that, like, in this movie, right? mm -hmm. Life is life. And the value of life life is life. And it's definitely, like, a shade away from the ethical purity we have in the later movies, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, life isn't the reality of, like, trading your life for $6 million. It's family, right? Like, life is family, and that's it. And, like, I have this code, and it's unbreakable, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I like that. I also like what you just said was, like, Dom wants to kill Phoenix, and... That's his goal and winds up with $60 million worth of his Phoenix boss's heroin. Mm-hmm. That's like interesting divergent screenwriting, right? Like I, I, I think that's a really good – like he wants one thing and he sort of ends up in this meandering shitty path to get there. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that's really good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I do. I think that's really good. Um, and I like that there's animosity involved with the char- characters, right? There's no animosity in the in the later movies. There's no actual anger that is of any consequence mm-hmm. because we don't like the bad guy, sure, but like the bad guy is off in this bad guy land, and it's us, the good guy, versus them, the bad guy. That's not like animosity. That's not like we're begrudgingly have to work together or, you know, like my old enemy became my friend or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I actually think that's why Nine kind of works because, like, there is this family thing, actual, you know, brother thing baked into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is a piece. Well, we'll talk about that more (laughs) when we get to F9 again. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that kind of works. I think that kind of works. So. so, yeah, I mean, the final build-off to that is like, all right, so Dom is a master of himself. He's He has a strategy. He's valued himself at $6 billion. Um, and that, yeah, the scene right after is Brian is in his boss's office, 
trying mm-hmm. to then negotiate. He goes, okay, I have, I have $60 million worth of product, but I also have Dominic Toretto. Right. And we have an opportunity. And he's trying to sell this, like, opportunity to catch the big fish. Right. And, you know, it's not as, yeah, not as well thought out, not as well balanced as the $6 million for my life, but good effort. And I think that also is, right, uh, Brian admits in this in this movie that he's working on his code. He's trying to figure out what's yeah. real, what's not. He's working on himself. So he's trying to negotiate and put things in the balance, but not as good at it. Right. Right, and I, I, and I like that. I mean, what, not to just like lay praise over this movie the whole time. I feel like that's what our Fast and Furious, like the Ambersand episodes, are always about. Is, is we just lay praise over this movie, but like everybody here in this movie is on a life raft, you know, and like that's a really interesting place for everybody to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. You got anything else you need to talk about for this movie? Mm, a quick little opinion piece here. Please. In terms of uh, the grand scheme of Fast and the Furious, which is the best hand gesture? We've got option number one is Leon's steering wheel hand grip. We love the Leon. And for those listening, which is everybody... <laughs> In the first movie, Leon puts his hand on top of the steering wheel and then points his four fingers straight forward. We love it. We love it's it. Tense. It's tense. tense. He grips it back down. Mm-hmm. He's letting everybody know he's engaged in the situation. He's ready to get down to business. Okay. So that's option A. Option B is the Braga, um, what do you call this? The Longhorns. Mm-hmm. The Longhorn symbol with the index out and the pinky out used to signal his minions to open the garage yeah. door and let the street racers in. Like that one. Man. Like that one. Very cool. These are not steering wheel grips exclusively, obviously. So can I... Are we positing an option three? Sure. Which oh, I don't know. have... Oh, I only had two options here. Okay. If you have a third option, I've I'm got. Well, I've, I've got the third option, <laughs> which is the, like... Two fingers curled thumb <laughs> keys at, at the end of of the as of the first one that he holds out. Oh, oh my God! All right, so just to be clear, I've used I've used in my real life I've used the key passing before, and I've used the Leon steering wheel grip. I have I've not used yet both. used. Yeah. I have They're not like, yet used the Braga. <laughs> But if I ever have like a open it up situation, that's the only way I'm gonna give that direction from now. Even on. like a raise it up. Just to be clear, what what Daryl and I are doing right now is like Texas Longhorns, two two finger two middle fingers in with the thumb over and the two outer fingers up, mm-hmm. and then we're like like a rock and roll like. But it's a lift. It's, it's a like lift a bring up. it up. <laughs> Instead of bow your head down, it's a br- bow the devil head down. It's a bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. All right. I've seen you, Daryl. Often texts me pictures of like him passing keys to somebody. <laughs> uh, oh Incredible. man, 
We okay. should look out for some more hand hand stuff. Yeah. I'm always into hand stuff, Daryl. Right. Those are the top. Those are the top three. <laughs> I mean, now three. that now that you've brought in option C, I mean, option C is obviously the yeah. best hand gesture in the entire series. Yeah. But these are all strong contenders, and we encourage everybody, if you haven't understood it by listening to us uh, talk about them, seek out these movies, Please. give them a try. You'll fall in love with these, and I hope you use them Please. in your everyday life. Um, thinking of, speaking of things we use in our everyday lives, do you want to do some shout-outs? Sure do. Yeah, let's do shout-outs, and then I actually have one more point about the movie I want to talk about, but we'll okay. get to that. Um... I'll start off this week. Sure. I'm at my mother's house. I think, I don't know how long ago, maybe a year and a half ago, she bought this like rowing machine. Cool. Um, but it's a really nice one. It's from a company called Water Rower. Mm-hmm. And it's got like this centrifugal fan. It's like a fan blade that's encased in a plastic torus. Basically, you know, mm-hmm. and that container has water in it, so you can add more water. So when you pull mm. the lever, the fan pushes against the water as it spins around. And so if you add more water, you can up the resistance, and if you drain the water, you can lower the resistance. Mm. Um, and it's like really, it's made out of wood. Mm. The whole rower, and it's like, yeah, I think it's called waterrower.com. Is the website no electric? Uh, no electricity. No electricity. Hmm. The only electric thing is an optional, um, uh, and I even think it's like solar powered. You know, it's like a calculator solar power solar thing, mm-hmm. but it's an optional little screen to like track. You can see the distance and the you know other stats as you're rowing, and it's a little screen off to the side. But it's only mm-hmm. like one of those. Cal- old calculator gray and black screens mm-hmm. and you don't have to get it either it's like a add-on so uh yeah there's no there's no other electronic things you just sort of sit on the thing and pull it's got mm-hmm. like foot straps so your feet are strapped in and um it's it's I, i've been having some good workouts on this thing man. nice yeah so, I mean, a basic rowing machine, or every rowing machine has to have, like, the sliding mm-hmm. seat, yep. seat post, right? Yep. Is that thing usually comfortable, or is it stiff? It's pretty comfortable. I mean, it's it's definitely, like, not a cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little molded, so, like, you're feeling good on it. it the action sliding back and forth, is, it's got two rails that are lined with, like, these plastic guards... And then the wheels are really smooth and they just line up right. So there's no shake. It just goes straight back and forth. And it's really smooth. And then what I do is (coughs) I like row a mile based on the digital thing. Mm -hmm. And then like it's actually great because I can do sit-ups on it without hurting my tailbone, which is my big issue with the sit-ups is my tailbone. I have a very sharp tailbone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it like when I do sit ups, it like presses my skin in a way that like hurts. Uh-huh. So I either have to be on something cushy or whatever. But because the seat slides a little bit, it actually like positions it does positions my tailbone in a way or like modulates its the position of my tailbone 
in a way where like that's not a factor anymore. Mm-hmm. So I can just like do some really good like all the way down, all the way up, beautiful, nice sit ups on this thing. Cool. Um, it's great, man. Yeah, that yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, I I've never really rode before. I think my cousin in the past had one. I fooled around on it a little bit, but yeah. I've only done it a couple times. But yeah, it was. I remember it being difficult. It's. I remember it's, I was like I was like I shouldn't do this too much. I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel like I can hurt myself pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a. I mean, it's car. It's cardio. You know, mm-hmm. it's like tough cardio. Basically, yeah. I don't know how my mom does it. She's good at it. She does mm-hmm. way more than me. So, wow. yeah, cool, cool. What do you want to shout out to this week, my friend? So, sort of as a follow up to last week, um, where I I give a shout out to QR code menus, the yes. ongoing uh, we all to- remember. <laughs> the ongoing topic here is, um, uh, yeah, is the digital solution better right. and. This week, I want to give a shout-out to, or I guess it's an anti-shout-out to the digital solution, and a oh. shout-out and a shout-out to phone call appointment reminders, okay? Oh. So even if you're out there, I went to the optometrist this week, I had a dentist, I had a dentist appointment, and I experienced both of them differently because uh-huh. I've been going to the optometrist, I've had to go back for a couple of visits, but... I can schedule an appointment online, but they'll always call me. Mm-hmm. They'll try. I think maybe they try to text me. I never answer. They instead a physical call me. person will always call you. Yeah, physical person always calls me to make sure that I know when my appointment is and that I'm going to be there. And I was like, oh, really nice. Yep, I'll see you Thursday at five. Still works for me. I'll see you. Nice. But you'd think that with all like I schedule my appointments online and for my dentist appointments. They give me online, like, text reminders, no phone call. Mm. And what happened this week is that I had multiple appointments. Yeah, I had multiple appointments. One of them was for, like, my dental surgery, which is next week. And one of them was a a cleaning appointment that I scheduled six months ago Mm. and totally forgot about. So I'm preparing on Friday afternoon. I clear up my schedule. I was like, I'm getting new teeth. Today, right. I was really excited for it. I got a notification, ready for appointment, blah, 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 showed up. They're like, all right, well, I'll be your dental hygienist. I was like, we're getting this installed today? They're like, what? I was like, install today, teeth. Remember, I've been coming in here for a year to get these things done. We're doing that today. She's like, we're definitely not doing that today. Doctor's not on site. I was like, oh. Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? And all of this would have been solved. If I got a phone call, I talked to a person right. rather than got a text message. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. That's yeah. nice. When I was growing up, I'm the dentist, you know, we'd go to the dentist every six months and they'd give us a little appointment card mm-hmm. to keep in our kid wallet, I guess. Right. I, don't, I don't really know. But it looked like a little movie theater ticket. It was kind of mm-hmm. cute. But it's like, I don't need that. I throw it in the trash. Because the day before, <laughs> you're in, in, in five months and 29 days, you're mm. going to call me. <laughs> That's right. You know, and say, uh, you have an appointment tomorrow. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, fan of the phone call. Yeah. 
So, yeah, the phone call. Right. Yeah. So shout out to the phone call appointment reminder. It's good for old people, but it's good for all people. It's good and for all people. Yeah, That's my motto. What's good for old people <laughs> is good for all people. <laughs> That's my new model. Mm-hmm. motto. What's your... Uh, how are your chompers, man? They're okay? Uh, they're good. So I, I'm so close to being done. I've been wearing this ridiculous retainer. I have to mm. take it out whenever I eat. Mm. It sucks. And I was ready to be done with it yesterday. Yeah. And I was so excited. I told my mom. I cleared my schedule. And I was like, we're done with this thing. I'm going to have real teeth. It's going to be awesome. And it's Well, they're, they're not... Are they going to be real? I mean, they're going to be as close... They're going to be... <laughs> They're probably going to be pretty close to real, but not all right, real. good. Yeah. Honestly, they might be better than real because it's not like are they're they gonna... all getting done, or you should no. have select teeth that you're replacing. I got two fronts coming in, two brand new, yeah, fronts. Wow, you're getting new fronts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the two that are there now are not are part of this retainer or whatever. So or one those... of, one of them is part of the retainer. One of them is a existing crown that I already have. What a wild world we live in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said so, you went to the optometrist. Are you okay with the eyes, too? Yo. Eyes, who would have thought, have improved. That's never been... <laughs> that's, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. How's that yeah. even possible, man? That's what I said. I was like... She was like, do you use the computer? I was like, sure do. All the time. She's like, well, I don't know what's going on then, because your eyes are supposed to be trash. But... Your prescription is 0.25 better in both eyes. From age nine, I've gone to an optometrist once every year to two years. Mm-hmm. And every time they look at my eyes and they're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> what have you been doing with your contact lenses? Washing them in ketchup or something? To be Lordy. fair, one, 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 uh, one guy was like, well, I could up your prescription a little bit. Your eyes haven't gotten that bad, that much worse. So I could up your prescription a little bit, or you could like live with it and squint, and maybe they'll get a little better. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that. Jack it up, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, give me two levels up, all right? Like, Yeah, that'll save me another appointment. And, <laughs> I'm not uh... going on the squinting diet. What are you, crazy? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, anyway, good shout out. Good shout out. Good anti shout out and good shout out. Um, all right. Last thing I want to talk about with Fast and Furious that I forgot before is the one part of this movie I've actually come to really dislike is the Dwight foot fetish scene. Mm-hmm. Not because like Dwight's a stupid character and. We don't really, like, need this hillbilly in this movie, which I don't think we do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, like, Dwight is put forth as, like, an idiot. And then, like, he comes in and has this, like, f- sexual fetish. <laughs> like, you know, like, like he's some sort of moralistic, you know, whatever. It's just like weird movie moralizing that it doesn't. I'm not into feet, but like people are into it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they shouldn't be made to feel fucking stupid or bad because like this dumb character has. And it's clearly in the movie as like a coded bad thing. Mm-hmm. 
or like not even bad, but like weird and freaky thing. I don't know. I was just like become kind of like, ah, this is so weird that the movie is doing this. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you on that. I mean, that's fine. You like feet. Just go for it. Yo, I want everybody to have like the most crazy, fun, consensual, freaky ass sex that they want to have. That's right. That's, that's right. all I want for people all right. the time. Let Dwight do his thing, okay? Let Dwight do his thing. Let's not be like moral poo-poos, you know? Mm -hmm. We don't need that. And we don't need our young fans of these movies, you know, getting imbued with that attitude either. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And Dwight is nice to his guests, right? Even though he's getting raided. Uh, they all uh, look like they're like, having a great time. Having a great time. Hanging out with Dwight. See you, ne- see you next week, Dwight. All right. That's, all yeah, the lady's like, bye, Dwight. Bye, Dwight. <laughs> She's not like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. And then they like posit that like the hero cops of it are like ones who planted drugs on this suspect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, aren't they so clever? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> um... Yeah, anyway, not into that. Everybody, go have cool sex, you know. Go for it. Go for it. However you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, if you want to talk to us about that or any other social issue, <laughs> you can do that at, at Nolt Podcast, N-O-L-T-T Podcast. Um, where no one likes the tuna podcast on Instagram, we're oh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, no one likes the tuna podcast at gmail.com. If you want to write us a letter of old, mm. we get it once in a while, we get an email once in a while. Um, that's about it. You got anything you need to plug? I do not. You ready for the movie next week? The big reveal oh, here? the reveal. Yes, please. <laughs> I forgot. It's not that crazy reveal. We're going to, we're going to five. Fast oh, five okay. next week, right? I got, I got to work in sequence a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So we, we're going to Hobbs. We, hit, we just hit four. And we're going to pick up tomorrow right where we left off. So we're hitting fast uh, five. Not tomorrow, week. but next week. Yeah, I'm not yeah. watching it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Can't wait.